Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to live my life, putting purpose over profit. Too many fallen soldiers, too many slain prophets. Eyes on the prize, yeah, I gotta watch it. Agents amongst us, get your hand out my pocket. I'm sick with the pet. Brothers and sisters are sick in the pet. Oppressed by the man, attacked by the clan. America's plan, depression sets in. People becoming so hopeless. Said we can't breathe, they still choke us. They put the body cam on, it's either turn off or out of focus. Yeah, another death, another life. They pull the trigger, no thinking twice. Cops be wildin', the killing youth. The new Jim Crow, a different noose. It's the beast, it's the beast, mark of the beast. Cease and desist, increase the peace. Move in silence, don't make a sound. But when they come, stand your ground. R.I.P. to all the martyrs. Say your prayer, Heavenly Father. Black lives matter, black lives matter. Bars once again, not just bars, <laughs> conscious bars. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm talking about. And yeah, shout yeah. out to Nashi Linton straight from Trenton for collaborating with Brother Mix on the track. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, good brother. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. And I just have to send some, you know, very, very conscious prayers to Brother Ray, who's in the hospital right now. So shout out to Ray, praying for you, my bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely prayers up. And I actually have to take some inspiration from the Brown Juice Barbershop, which had a double <laughs> today. Very proud of y'all for that. That's uh, in, in the YouTube game, that's called a double upload when you upload two videos. So that's that's what I'm talking about. Okay, I didn't know that it had a term. All right now. Yeah. And it actually helps the algorithm a lot. So that's going to be a thing on, uh, on was it, two, uh, Mondays, then yes, Mondays and Thursdays. Good to know. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sensei. <laughs> <laughs> and we also actually have to shout out our sponsors for today's episode, which is Game 7 Character Builders. So shout out to Malcolm, Justin, and Kendall. And here's a little preview of what type of things that they do in the community. 30 Day Shift, Day 29. What is a relationship? A relationship is passion duties and responsibilities where both parties must continue to overcome their inner turmoil and expectations to maintain that passion and continue to fulfill those duties and responsibilities. A lot of relationships falter with the inner turmoil and expectations facets of the relationship. If you have inner turmoil, you're not a happy person and you cannot be a part of a happy relationship. And if you have expectations, your partner must meet them and you must meet your partner's expectations. Learn about relationships with us at Game7.com and shop with us at Game7shop.com. Tune in tomorrow for day 30. Absolutely. Relationships. Yes. So, Brother Mix, you had a, a phenomenal idea. Could you let the folks know about your idea? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we love engaging with folks in the comments because you have a wonderful commentary, but also always lift up and ask great questions. Uh, so we really wanted to see what was on your mind today. 
It could be about pretty much almost anything, as long as, you know, PG for children. Um, <laughs> but other than that, you know, we're really just trying to see what's on your mind, what's on your heart. If you have any questions, anything that's sitting with you right now, things that happened recently, whether it's current events, whether it's pop culture, uh, whether it's things about us that we haven't really delved into before. You know, we just wanted to put that call out there so we can engage with the folks a little bit and really use this comment, live comment function a little bit more so. Absolutely, because whenever we talk about these topics, we get such amazing questions. So I have to thank each and every one of you for not only watching and liking the video and sharing, but also commenting, especially in the live comments, especially after the show isn't live and you're watching it back or watching the highlights. So thank you for watching all together. And please make sure that bell is notified on the subscription button. And uh, that, that'll definitely help the channel grow as well. And also check out the Brown Juice Barbershop as well and give that page a, you know, a subscribe as well. And thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, but yeah, you know, I feel like it's almost like um, building a family or building a community, you know, when you have the live comments, especially if you know the people who are making the, the comments or asking the questions, even if you don't know the folks, um, is a way for us to, you know, really get a chance to see where they're, what they're thinking. Uh, what perspectives they're bringing. And it's really great, particularly when there's a little bit contention and challenge. Um, that's always fun, you know, as us Aquarians. It's always uh, <laughs> a good time for some uh, wit and a little warfare. Oh, this is a wonderful question from Jeff. Shout out to Jeff. Can you go in a little bit on the line, get your hands out my pockets? Woo! Any history or thoughts of that specific line would be greatly appreciated. And Jeff, thank you for asking that wonderful question. Brother Mix. Beautiful. Well, first and foremost, shout out to Nasheed for, again, um, allowing me to hop on the track with him, uh, Black Lives Matter, which you hear that plays in the in the beginning. She is on those vocals. He also has a verse at the beginning, but my verse is the only one that's played. <clears throat> but the way the lyrics go is, um, I say, try and live my life, put in purpose over profit. Too many fallen soldiers, too many slain prophets. Eyes on the prize. Yeah, I got to watch it. Agents amongst us. Get your hand out my pocket. Um, and I took that from, if folks are familiar with Malcolm X, if you've had a chance to see uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X, if you know about what happened to Malcolm X, um, Malcolm X was assassinated. Uh, they, they always have these conversations about who did it. Um, I would invite folks to take a look at the documentary on uh, Netflix, Who Killed Malcolm X? Um, and there's some interesting stuff there. Without going further into those details, though, uh, what I was trying to get after is even in a conscious community with people who are your skin folk, you still have to watch out for those agents. You still have to watch out for those folks who might be skin folk, but they might not be kin folk. So when I say agents amongst us, get your hand out my pocket, I'm really referring to the point that, you know, we've had too many fallen soldiers, too many slain prophets, talking about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, you know, and others, um, and telling people to get your hand out my pocket is double entendre in a, in a couple of different ways. One, <clears throat> telling agents, get your hand out my pocket, stop trying to take money from me, I want to be independent, et cetera, but also think about those folks who might infiltrate. Um, history shows that there were paid informants from the FBI of Black people who were put into places such as different mosques, Nation of Islam, et cetera, to try to take down um, some figures such as Malcolm X from the inside. So it was a direct quote from what we know to have been something that happened when there was a distraction and a disturbance, when someone in the audience had screamed, get your hand out of my pocket before they assassinated uh, Malcolm X. But it's also meant to say, you know, we got to watch out for who's in our circles. We got to watch out for who's always trying to get their hand in our pocket. 
And um, even think about the work that I'm in now, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think about this whole um, this whole way that people can uh, monetize or profit off of other people's pain and trauma. Exactly. And I think about some of the folks who aren't of the culture, and even some folks who are of the culture. So you have culture vultures either way, either those who are in the culture or outside of the culture, trying to make a petty, a pretty penny um, off of uh, you know the pain and suffering and trauma of marginalized people. So when I talk about get your hand out my pocket, all those things are, are packed into that one line. So I appreciate that. Really appreciate that, Jeff. Absolutely. And as you were describing it, thank you for doing that. So brother mix, cause you know, not, not all writers and rappers like to share what their lyrics mean. So I, I do appreciate it from a artistic point of view. Right. Mm -hmm. At the same time, as you were speaking, it reminded me of the scene in the matrix, right? When the agents can literally be anyone. And usually that transaction is usually done monetarily. Mm. And I, and I was just so curious because when you think about all the infamous unsolvable deaths in our community, that was the one time. And again, however you feel on the side of the fence of snitches get stitches, you would think in those specific situations, we're thinking about Malcolm, you know, Martin, Big and Pac, and so on and so forth, people of that ilk, you would just think then is when the time that you would actually be an informant as opposed to a snitch. That's, that's <laughs> talk about it. Talk about it. Exactly. And you, know, you have to ask yourself too. all these cases that are cold cases that have not been solved, knowing that there's a lot of information that has not been opened or has mm -hmm. not been looked at. Or if you watch the documentary about, um, you know, who killed Malcolm X, all the things that happened in the sense of folks intimidating folks or saying, I wouldn't go down that road if I were you, don't open that, it's much bigger than what you know, don't get your hands involved, You know, watch out, someone might come for you. There's just a lot of reasons. So there's a lot of intimidation that happens too, which which prevents people from, I think that's where the whole snitches get snitches come from too, because it's like, you know, listen, because <laughs> if you do tell, whether you're telling the truth, somebody coming for you or something's gonna happen, and that's what, what usually happens too, particularly if, if the person you snitching on is the government, you know? Yeah, the big governor. <laughs> and which is very interesting because I guess we'll see come November if some information will be released from the uh, one of the presidential nominees. And I, I'll let uh, context clues fill anyone in who uh, was a very instrumental part of the Epstein investigation mm -hmm. and gave away a lot of names and has been on record from law enforcement that he was instrumental in the case. So I, I'll, I'm curious to see what names drop in November around election time. Because you know, you can't give it up now. You have to you gotta be a little <laughs> bit dramatic. That's very true. You know, timing is everything. Uh, just like framing is everything. So, you know, you don't wanna play your, your cards all at once. You wanna save that ace in the hole, so to speak. Definitely. Absolutely, yeah. So wonderful question. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else that was in that. Um, oh, so the next part is like I say, um, I'm sick with the pen. Mm. Brothers and sisters are sick in the pen. So I hope folks are. I hope folks caught on to that too. <laughs> and I hope folks caught on to that. Absolutely, very, very clever wordplay, sir. And this Thanks. is from the Mrs. Mrs. Yizzy in the building with all this talk of entanglements. Although social media embraces the comical side, how do you feel this implicates our perceptions of black love? Ooh, that is a, 
superb question. And if you don't mind, may I go first? Please do. With the uh, Poetic Charm dating podcast in mind. Yes, talk about it. So when I see this, because if we're being honest in our culture, I would say that there's certain couples that are in the top 1%. I'm thinking about Barack and Michelle and however you feel about them, Jay-Z and Beyonce, and also Will and Jada and, and the Smiths, right? But that's considered, I would say, in our community as Black royalty, and especially mm-hmm. in terms of the uh, nuclear family couples. And it's just interesting over the past couple years, that's slowly been eroded. So I mean, only because of infidelities, let's say, entanglements, right, to use the vernacular. So it's just interesting to see how people will respond to this. So me personally, I'm always looking at it from the male's perspective, obviously. So if a a male had done this, there would have been much more vitriol in Will's direction. But Will still got the vitriol, even though he's the technical victim in the situation. So I thought that was always interesting in terms of uh, intellectual, you know, consistency. Hmm. Well, I would say there's a lot of things that come to mind with that question. Um, One, I don't have all the stats in front of me, so I can't even act like, well, you know, the statistics say that I can't even do that. But what I can say is that I know last time I had some stats in front of me or or, or thought about these things, if I'm not mistaken, all marriages, maybe about half of them end in divorce or some type of separation or something like that. I'm not sure if that's the case still. Have a look at the numbers, so don't quote me on that. Yes. Endeavor, Endeavor to find out. And then I would think about the number of people who are actually getting married. Um, I would argue, at least from what I see, um, folks are either not getting married at all Mm -hmm. or they're delaying marriage to a much later time. And I think when we talk about situations such as the folks that we see, um, we're having this conversation with Brown Juice Barbershop and talk about who are the other people who are like black love couples that we can look up to. And what we come to the conclusion is there's not many out there that we can point to because those are probably the ones who are keeping their business private. So for example, their marriage is their marriage. One of the, I guess, side effects or negative externalities of being um, a person who's famous, like Will and Jada, is that you know your business is not really secret. And if you make your money by being a public figure, or if you make your money by putting yourself out there, when these situations come about, you have to put yourself out there even more. The issue is, is that how does your situation impact or influence the folks who are watching you? not knowing where they stand when it terms, uh, in terms of whether or not they want to get married, whether or not they are married. Um, so I would say when it comes to black love, um, I would hope that we, we keep in mind and try to take all the positive and not consume the negative. The fact that they are together in the sense of a black male for black woman, I think that's beautiful. I think that speaks volumes. Um, however, um, the way that the relationship is, I think there's a lot that we need to critique and ask questions about in terms of, you know, what is the situation that you're really talking about? Was there a transgression? Why aren't you admitting it? So it's really about those things that I think we need to really be a little bit more honest about in terms of relationships. Um, because otherwise I could see, like I said on Brown's Barbershop, again, I was like, listen, I'm going on married, being married for seven years, been in a relationship with my wife. Thank you, sir. Been in a relationship with her since uh, 2008. So about 12 years together, seven years married, right? Um, and I said, I can't I can't speak for the single people, but I would imagine that the game's done changed. There's a lot of things going on now. And now you got talk of entanglements, folks getting new vocabulary, 
you know, <laughs> it's just like, you know, so, so I just hope, I hope that this has not deterred people from wanting to get married. I hope it has not deterred people from making their marriage work if there was a little bump in the road. And I hope it has not um, normalized uh, how messy that situation is and has been and can continue to be if they don't fix some stuff because they still a little entangled. They need to get untangled quickly. Absolutely. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they don't fall, I guess, too much under the illusion of the entertainment, because after all, it's very, uh, the time is impeccable because all of a sudden, none of our people are talking about what's going on with the injustice. Again, some of us, not obviously not all, but I would say, to be fair, most. And this is usually the tactic. So it's actually happening in real time. So I love those uh, memes going around like, oh, they're talking about pop culture things. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. you didn't uh, you didn't give justice to Breonna Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I guess we should also do ones with other names as well. Just just go down the list. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, hopefully some good comes from this. Hopefully if if they're getting any money off of this in terms of like their, you know, hopefully they take those proceeds and donate it to the right causes. Yeah, because again, as a as a mar- person with a marketing mindset, all I could think about was ratings. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, it had the highest ratings the show ever had. How did that happen? Wow! Wow! So I was like, oh man, listen, it's a win for everybody because you know August Alcina has his album coming out, right? And then well, I don't know if it dropped already, <laughs> but you know he's got the album coming out. I wonder who the muse of that album is going to be. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> but you know. I'm not mad. Get your coin. Get your coin. But hopefully, consciously, you use that coin to make sure that you're doing doing the work of repairing as opposed to damaging further. Absolutely. And I'm going to let you take the lead on this question by Jeff once again. If each of you had to suggest any three books that every Black man should read, what would they do? What would they be? Fantastic question. Now you know I can't just give three, brother. You know I, I got You know I got to rattle off a number of different selections from the Black Power Bookshelf, as well as some other things that come to mind. Um, of course, the Miseducation of the Negro uh, by Carter G. Woodson, um, the Souls of Black Folk um, by W. E. B. Du Bois. Um, I would uh, the Life and Times or the Life and Narrative of a Slave uh, Frederick Douglass's book. Mm. Um, I would say if you want to get into Cornell West. Um, race matters and you know the future of the race things of that nature um i would say the books that i also lifted up from before black labor white we- uh, white wealth um by dr claude anderson um dr amos wilson has to be on there um so whatever book you you choose to read from dr amos wilson highly recommend any of his books um the warmth of other sons um by isabella wilkerson um i believe that's her name i'm trying to remember um, yeah, that that book. Um, if you're looking into thinking about like hip hop pedagogy uh, for the white folks who teach in the hood and for the rest of y'all, too, that's by Dr. Chris Emden. Um, Bettina Love, Dr. Bettina Love, she talks about um, hip hop as well. Um, and she really talks about like abolition and abolitionist teaching. Um, who else? If you want to get into like black feminist thought, I would say look at uh, books from Bell Hooks. Books from Audrey Lord. You can't go wrong with any Toni Morrison book, but you got to read some of the Toni Morrison books. Um, Dr. Imani Perry. 
I would say for those of you who definitely have um, sons, um, she has her latest book out called Breathe. I would say read that. Um, and the list goes on, brother. But hopefully that, that gets folks started. Um, those books are <laughs> those books are going to get started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, no so, Yeah, those are wonderful books. And because of you, they're on my list. So thank you for that. Yes, and I, I'm going to have to throw a little bit of a curveball here. Being an Aquarian, right? So first one, not much of a curveball. I suggest mm -hmm. making futures, young entrepreneurs in that dynamic Africa. Because as a person who was blessed enough to be with parents who love to travel, who have wonderlust, that same wonderlust has been transmitted to me. The world becomes a lot smaller in a, in a great way. When you go out of the country and you see people similar to you, so shout out to Mr. Aaron United from yes. all the way from Manchester, England, who are going through similar things as you, then you start to perceive the world in a different way. That horizon is broadened. So, oh, it's not just going on here, it's going on everywhere. So, so the fact that Sangu's talking about what's going on in Africa, especially from a business mindset, I look at this book as the concept of angel investors almost right because you have the ability to find out about these amazing inspiring people in this book that he interviewed for over he took him around seven years to finish it mm -hmm. was it over 500 entrepreneurs and he picked 17 so he had to narrow the list down so these are the ones who are going to be the most inspirational so it's just uh, i'm just it'd be a, a great for people who look like us to also discover people who are like us other places in the world and then see how we can implement similar strategies here and also abroad as well absolutely That's now, a great pick. yeah the second book i'm going to recommend is probably one of my favorites which is the millionaire fast lane by mj demarco so i probably gifted this book to at least 10 people one of which being my dad and what i love about it is that this is the only book that I've seen on the market that actually goes into how athletes actually go broke. So it's a it's a symptom of having a mindset that leads to spending in a certain manner. So it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you have these mindsets about money, eventually you will go you will go broke. If you're not thinking long term, if you're not thinking macro, if you if you don't have that endowment thinking, hmm. and then when you learn about things like compound interest, this is actually the book where I learned about compound interest because, as we discussed before, never learned about it in school. Mm -hmm. Because if we did, I would look at it in a completely different way. Now we learn about the concept of interest and that formula, but com compounding interest and how that relates to not only sweat equity but also financially long term. I think we would all look at school differently. And the third one is the actual monkey wrench or screwball. And though I haven't read it, I would still suggest every black man read it to Jeff's question, which is the white man's Bible, because that's going to give you the playbook of those who have divide and conquer perspectives. Because if we're thinking about it, they're observing us in the same way. They're going to be like, oh, what's what's your weakness? What are you what are you looking at? And they've systematized it since slavery. So, so it's I, called the white man, the white man's Bible. Right. OK. And if you look at what happened to 
brother Bill Cosby, it kind of he he's kind of a person that falls into that category of what happens if you go against the establishment. So similar to a, a Malcolm, as you were saying, or Martin, when you uh, rattle the cage, then all of a sudden you you become the focus and then they try to destroy you from a certain vantage point. So being aware of that, have an endowment thinking about their endowment thinking. I think I, I'm just thinking about the cosmic chessboard. You know, that's one of my favorite analogies because we all know there's people in the world who are calling shots, who have more, let's say, privilege and influence than others. So I would be interested about their playbook personally. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And as you were talking other other books popped into my head as well because I'm like things just pop and flash into my head. Um, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Mm. Um, that's definitely a classic one that I think folks should should read. Um, Black Boy by Richard Wright. Um, yeah, there's 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 so many. There's so many. Oh, we have another great question. Thoughts on kids returning back to school in the fall. <sighs> I feel like that's a rhetorical question, especially from the perspective of black children, adults, given all the civil unrest. Mm. So here's my short answer to that very complex question. Mm -hmm. I think folks should return back to education. One, they should never left. Because <laughs> that's, that's how you avoid the summer slide is if you're actually still learning during the summer or doing something that's going to feed your, your mind, body and soul, mm -hmm. um, your spirit. Um, I think they should return back to education but they should not return back physically to school. That is my suggestion. I think there is too much that we still yet know. I think there is too much risk um, and there are too many uncontrollables. Um, we can try to be as safe as possible. We really can, but there is. it is impossible to know where every student has been over the summer. Mm -hmm what they would be doing when they get on campus, even if people are supervising them, it's difficult and pretty much impossible to social distance, particularly I'm thinking about some of the younger folk, um, to wear a mask. Um, you know how germs spread so quickly, regularly, when there's no coronavirus. I'm talking about mm -hmm. when it's just a common cold. These things spread quickly. You think about the fact that um, if you if a teacher gets sick, you know, do you have a substitute who's available? Right. Um, so I think about all these things when they talk about hybrid models, et cetera. It is my belief that I think we should all go back to school virtually to the extent that we can um, support and be as equitable and accessible as possible for those folks who need those extra supports. That's what we should be doing right now, spending time during the summer to make sure that we can ensure that everyone has access to whatever technology is needed, um, whether it's internet services, whether it's an actual laptop or computer. Um, I think that we should be doing those things to ensure how we can keep our community safe. And I know there are other things that come up with that. I know folks start to talk about, okay, if we're not gonna be on campus, um, why are we paying tuition if you're paying tuition um, at the same cost of if we were on campus, if we're online? And I would say, then we have to think about those things. We have to do, give discounts where we can but also keep in mind that if we're giving discounts where we can, our operating costs are going down too, um, unless we're actually being equitable and making sure that we can use those funds that we would be spending to run the building 
um, to make sure that we're using those funds if possible, we're getting getting um, donations and grants, et cetera, to make sure that we can help those folks who need support um, do school appropriately and do school to the best of their ability. So for me, you know, I mean, I'm not about that. I'm not about, especially when I'm thinking about black and brown kids and other folks, um, particularly who have been impacted the most, disproportionately have been impacted the most um, during this summer. I think about all the professional development that needs to be done that can't be done in a day. I'm talking mm -hmm. about trauma-informed teaching. I'm talking about folks learning and getting a little bit more involved in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, things that need to be done and things that can't just happen overnight in order for us to create a space where children are ready to come back, where they can be not only just safe physically, but also mentally, emotionally, spiritually as well. So um, I would tell folks to pump the brakes um, let's make sure that we prepare for a return to school, but not physically. Absolutely. And I definitely, I definitely second all that. Cause for me, I can still literally say the majority of my life was based around education. Right. And, and let's say the school schedule. So we can even see this concept being implemented in things like media. Every fall, there is a, new season of a new show every spring or say sp spring semester, there's a, the second half of the show or other shows being released. So there is this, uh, let's say this rhythmic schedule with the seasons. So I think that is very healthy for people to find a, a flow and balance and rhythm of life, especially with time management and, you know, things of that nature. So I, I definitely agree with that. And I definitely think, the fact that people are looking for education in the fall is a wonderful thing. And I agree. I think it would be preposterous for children to return in the fall as you, for all the reasons that you articulated, the fact that they easily and quickly and swiftly spread germs. And please, if we have any educators of young children, please could you articulate how, how, uh, how important understanding that concept is, especially in school systems that have black and brown children, right? So that's going to be imperative going forward. And I think this is a moment in time because of all the things you said, I think this is a moment in time where we have to be realistic and look ourselves in the mirror as a country, as a nation and say some things need to change because mm -hmm. a lot of folks want to get people back to school. And it doesn't matter what class you're from because you might have some folks who are very affluent who literally say, I'm paying them to go to the school. And it might be for a good education to get a quality education. It also might be just to get them out the house. And I know I'm sending you away to a babysitter that costs a lot of money, but you're also gonna get the education and credentials you need to move forward in life. You also have some folks who can't afford childcare or daycare. Um, they have to work from home. And then now there's some other corporations and companies are starting to say, you can't work from home with your children in the same space, blah, blah. There's a lot of things that are happening, but I think that we need to come together. This is a day of reckoning. The same way all these protests um, after the murders of Ahmaud Arbery, um, George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor, right? After all these things and all the other injustices that continue to happen, you talk about all the other people that happened after those murders that are continuing to happen now, right? Um, all these things are happening. So when you think about that, we also have to think about how our educational system is. Because I would argue that a lot of people have been mentally uh, mentally killed or mentally murdered in a lot of these school situations and school institutions that we send them to. So the same way we have a poor criminal justice system and we, we deal with police brutality, there's a lot of miseducation. There's a lot of terrible schooling that take place as well, 
Right. So mm-hmm. um, I think we have to actually think about what that looks like, what the education system does, because a lot of people, when they go to school, depending on the demographics, depending on the type of school, et cetera, they might face a lot of racism, microaggressions, macroaggressions, just blatant racism wherever they are. And they might actually be having a better time at home. So when we think about the importance of homeschooling, the importance of thinking about the difference between schooling and education, there's a lot of things that we need to unpack there. But I'll tell you one thing, national leadership, they ain't, they ain't it, bro. They ain't it. Because you got folks like Betsy DeVos over here talking nonsense, like, oh, only zero... A point zero two people, um, children will be uh, will will die from the coronavirus if we go back to school. That's like fifteen thousand plus kids. Are you talking about only? Only. Yeah. All right, send your child there. It's like what do you like? It's just it's just ridiculous. So there's so many things that we need to actually address that folks don't want to address because they don't care. And at the end of the day, a lot of schools are about that bottom line. They're about dollars and cents, not really about the education. Um, and there's a lot of people who are pushing from different ways. There's a lot of po- politics that go into it. Um, and that's the piece that really gets gets on my nerve, because if it wasn't for credentials, if it wasn't for the fact that you needed certain things in order for you to get to the next level, for you to go to college, et cetera, whatever the case may be, so you can get gainful employment, et cetera, we wouldn't be having these conversations because you can make the argument that, guess what? You don't have to go to school. You can be homeschooled. It will be cheaper, if not free, um, in a lot of different ways. Um, so I think there's a lot. This is If we don't address all the ish that's happening in 2020 right now, America is going to quickly decline and potentially fold. And that's real rap. Like there are just too many things happening right now that if we don't get it right, we over there calling other places, third world countries. Okay. I'm just saying like, there's some things that need to get fixed yesterday. Absolutely. And I guess as a Aquarian and incredibly attracted to creativity, I would say it gives me a lot of inspiration because because of the people that I hang around, people like yourself, and I appreciate people like you and Amanda and everyone that I'm fortunate enough to know and have spent time around and grew with, I can see a different space actually growing. I can see a lot of independent education or educational institutions via the internet arising during this period. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like people like ourselves would be, I would we, I would say we would provide a lot of value in the marketplace, especially intellectually. Absolutely. And I think we can create a lot of content that for, even if we want, even if we wanted to profit from it, it would still be at a discounted rate to what folks would be paying elsewhere. Right. And, exactly. and knowing what we know, and how we are, we would curate it as such that you're not getting all that fluff and all that extra. You're getting what you need in a concise, clear, and precise way. And um, I think that's brilliant. And I, I think that we need to also capitalize on this moment too and continue to build, continue to make our content, et cetera. So when the time comes, you know, we can parlay that, you know? Absolutely. And got to shout out Playboy J. Love that name. I feel like I may have had an AIM screen name that resembled that, perhaps. Allegedly. I'll, you had I'll like 15 AIM names, bro. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> and one of which allegedly may have been Playboy J. So shout out all the way from Ethiopia. What up, my bro? Hi, I'm a big fan. Thank you, sir. Thank you for watching. Do you think in the eyes of society, a black man is only viewed as knowledgeable if he has been through higher education? If so, 
thoughts on that? I would say that's a phenomenal question. I would mm -hmm. say it depends. It cuts across a number of different spaces. So you have folks within your culture. Um, so black folks looking at other black folks. And then within that, you have the class. So you have some folks who, if you think about what education or what higher education started out as, it was for those who were white, male, Christian, wealthy. Um, those were the things that it was. So everybody who's pretty much close to that or when they started to open up for other folks, right? You had people who weren't just white, but you have folks who usually had some type of class privilege. Um, so I would say in America in particular, because a lot of jobs require you to have some form of higher education credential, um, jobs that used to only require an associate's degree now require a bachelor's degree. Jobs that only used to require a bachelor's degree, now they require a master's degree and so on and so forth. However, there are those things, those exceptions to the rule when you start to see race, right? So you think about the old boys network. And you think about some folks who've been grandfathered in, so to speak, or they only have a bachelor's. They should have a master's, but they only have a bachelor's, but they have years of experience. So they're locked in, they're fine, right? Um, but that's usually across racial lines, right? So some white folks get that privilege. Um, but I think when it comes to uh, have you been through higher education, even when we get to that, let's just say everyone gets the same. Let's say everyone gets a bachelor's degree. Folks then start to split hairs and talk about, well, where did you get your degree from? Oh, OK. Did you transfer there or were you there all four years? Oh, OK. And then some folks might say, well, it doesn't really matter where you went for your undergrad degree. Where did you go for your graduate degree? Oh, do you have a terminal degree? So I would say, depending on the circles that you're in. Um, sometimes it might matter and they might think that you're not knowledgeable because you don't have higher education. Um, others might think you're very knowledgeable. And I think it comes down to this. There's a difference between educational attainment and knowledge mm. because there's a lot of people who can gain a degree and not know a, a, a thing, <laughs> a thing, right? So when we talk about that, it's really about, you know, do you have that, that high price receipt called a degree? right? Do you have those credentials in certain spaces? Doesn't necessarily mean you have that knowledge. Again, it goes back to the difference between school and education. Um, how have you been schooled? You've probably been schooled. You've been educated, but are you knowledgeable? Have you learned anything? So I would say it really does depend on um, the context. Who is the person who's viewing you and what is it about their identity that might be viewing you in that regard? Hopefully that makes sense. Absolutely. And as you started, it literally reminded me of the parameters of the founding fathers who were white, wealthy and Christian, at least uh, publicly, let's say, <laughs> which was interesting. But I, I agree. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, to me, common sense is much more valuable in society. I feel like how many social issues can be solved with common sense and yet all these people have these degrees and these authority positions, and yet the, the problems just get worse and worse. And this is literally all over the world. So each year, the problem is exacerbated with compound interest. Mm -hmm. And I, I think one of the main things that I want to do once the bag is secured, I literally want to go to every country and solve all of their social issues for free and be like, you know what, since y'all couldn't figure it out, I, we figured it out for you. Obviously, we'd have a team, an amazing think tank. So if you're interested in that, please contact me. We will solve that better than you did and do it for free. So and we'll make it in a very sustainable way. That That's some stuff that I would love to do. 
And I actually think it's it's a wonderful question, Jay. And I think that will you be viewed that way? Of course, right? Because we understand how the social game works, right? We we all understand how when you go into a certain place of prestigious esteem and you're probably a hyper minority there, people are going to look at you a certain type of way. Like, oh, did he get there from sports? Or is he really, really effing brilliant to a level that uh, Jackie Robinson would be, right? So in, in breaking through the color barrier, you had to at least be three times better than the best player, right? So regardless, regardless of the facts, they're going to be intimidated by you regardless, simply because they're aware of the parameters that kept you from being in that room, yet you're in that room and you belong there, perhaps more than they did, who may have been grandfathered in. So that that's number one for for your bro as well. And we'll get to that in the follow up question. But at the same time, I'm looking at things like business owners and entrepreneurs. So literally create your own. We're very creative people all over the world and intuitively, authentically. So it might be better to create your own as opposed to looking for others to sponsor you. Essentially, essentially you would. I guess now that I, I've made my mind up to be an entrepreneur, I can only see the transaction. Obviously, it's not going to be the case in all cases. Sometimes you do need education and be a professional like doctors and lawyers. And we all, we need more people like that. Absolutely. And that's a that's a dedication, a commitment. So we appreciate people like that. So shout out to the sis, right, Mrs. Jizzy, for that commitment to our people and the betterment for us long term mm -hmm. at the same yeah. time. I think uh, it might it might be more prudent to think about creating our own, so we're not rely we, we don't rely upon the system. Instead of we're creating our own system, similar to Black Wall Street, and have our own essentially a global network. Because if we're being honest, how how long have people of let's say the fair persuasion been at war with one another? And what we're seeing going on right now, we could literally, by the end of the year, if we actually wanted to, we could easily unite every black person on earth because we've all witnessed and gone through the same thing anecdotally and also observed it vicariously. Like we, and again, we have so many other things in common, but those are the specific things that we all have in common and it's due to a certain group of people. Mm -hmm. So for me, that that's, that's what I would do. Yeah. And I think, you know, just, just listening to that question and reading it back and listening to you talk um, about the question. Remind me of the conversation we were having with Sangu mm. um, when he was talking about, listen, even with his three degrees from Harvard and a degree from Oxford, folks still look at him as just another, uh, right? Depending on what space you're in. So particularly when you think about a racist society um, or a racist country, racist nation, um, that racism gets in the way of anything to the point where it doesn't matter what degrees you have. People always try to move the goalposts or they see that and they're like, oh yeah, you're knowledgeable. What that makes you dangerous. So because that makes you dangerous, you've been in the same spaces I've been in and you're probably smarter than me because you had to deal with all this nonsense and navigate these predominantly white institutions. You're dangerous. So how about we try to stifle you in other ways? So again, I think it depends on the space that we're in. It depends on who's framing it. Um, at the end of the day, you know, only viewed as knowledgeable. You know, there's there's a lot of times when 
I have to prove. It doesn't even matter what my degree says, right? I could have gone to a number of different schools. I could have my my PhD. As a black man, I still have to prove myself. I still have to prove myself. And unfortunately, that's even in the in the presence of people who look like me too, mm. in some cases, because that's how that's how racism uh, operates. Um, racism operates that way. And then when folks start to you know think white is right, um, that's when they sort of think that you and I. Um, are wrong or we're not as knowledgeable. Absolutely. And it's just being very aware of that at all times. So especially for us, that's not something we can ever rest in our laurels on. And I'm sure we all know that from experience, but it's kind of like one of those things you just got to get used to it. And that's the unfortunate truth. But if you want to surpass the limitations that are created and designed to keep you limited, you're going to have to be aware of that and consciously being it's kind of like looking at the room and just seeing where everything is, uh, say, energy wise. Right. And just understanding that. Because of your skin color and who you are, right, it's going to be more difficult for you. So I would say internalize that, understanding that it is a truth, but at the same time, you can literally make that chip on your shoulder to be three times better than anyone else in the room, especially the person who created the room there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is another great question. Absolutely. So I don't know, but Playboy Jay, just to let you know, I used to be a college counselor. Yes, um, I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm gonna let you do that <laughs> professionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I still, I still do college counseling. So holla at your boy, MikhailIsrael.com, if you need a little assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what I would say is this: I would say that that is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant choice. If and only if your brother is coming up with a plan as to what's next. If and only if your brother's doing something right now with his time. He needs to be doing something right now with his time that is pouring into him. Maybe he's working a job. Maybe he's doing research, whatever the case may be. But it has to be something that he can fulfill what he's looking for or at least try to endeavor to find out what he's looking for, um, whether that's pursuing a passion or trying to discover what the passion might be. Um, But you also should be doing something should he then ultimately want to apply to go to college, something that he can say, this is how I spent my year. So it can't be like, oh, I was at home twiddling my thumbs playing FIFA. Nah, nah, you, you got to be doing something right now. And I think with all this uncertainty, particularly, we don't know how college is going to look moving forward. We don't know about how college is going to um, do things moving forward in terms of Corona, how that might really impact um, college and the college landscape. So I think it's a brilliant move. But again, if and only if he's putting the right pieces in place that he can either pursue college or pivot and go in a different direction. Um, but that's brilliant. That's a brilliant, brilliant move. Brilliant move. Absolutely. And I love this question because I think about this question all the time, because imagine if you did take a, a gap year. And like you said, it's a great move if he's thinking macro, if he's thinking long term. So like the next decade. So by 30, I want to do X, Y and Z. If he's thinking it, if he's doing it from that perspective. Absolutely brilliant. Right. However, if he's not sure, again, that's okay because of the the age range, right? But at the same time, Playboy J, I would uh, impress upon you as the big bro to think about like, wait a minute, perhaps 
you might want to think about it this way, like give him that long-term perspective. And he, he's probably capable of creating an online business that is sustainable by itself. So he, he's having a, a stream of passive income. So if he can create those parameters in that year, and then I'm looking at it and please, Mikhail, please let me know if I'm even in the same ballpark of how the admissions process works. I'm just thinking it from a marketing perspective. If you're a college applicant and you took a year off and you accomplished all those things, you created an online business that pays you while you sleep, that's automatically going to put you higher when you apply. So it kind of reminds me of when we were coming out of school mix in 2010. And at that time, before you needed a, a master's and everything, that was just that period where you could either go right into the workforce or you could pursue further education, which is also phenomenal. But now I'm looking at it the same way that they would uh, in the admissions of, let's say, law school, right? Mm -hmm. So now if you have a master's, you're already going to be, your resume is going to be that much stronger. So if he's thinking about doing something professional, Playboy J, perhaps he should go to school so he can, because again, that, that's a lot of time. In, in education. So if he's thinking about doing something that requires a prof professional uh, certification or degree or anything of that ilk, like a doctor or a lawyer, anything like that, an accountant, you probably want, he probably wants to do that. But again, if you're, if you're not sure, if you want to maybe go the entrepreneur route, that, that would also be fruitful as well. Absolutely. And um, college, unless you're going to, unless you're going to college for free is expensive. Mm. So that's no need to jump into collecting debt or paying a lot of money without knowing what your return on investment is going to be. In terms of my experience, the three different types of gap years I've come across is that person who's super affluent, who's of privilege and can just do whatever they want to do because they got money to blow and they got connections with deep pockets. So they're either traveling the world or they're working at an internship because they got the hookup with one of their cronies or their parents' cronies, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. I've also seen that person who's like, I don't know if college is for me, but I'm not even going to try to figure it out. I'm just going to kick it. I'm chilling. I'm sitting on the couch. You know, I'm gaming. I'm doing this. You know, maybe I'll go hoop, whatever. Just doing nothing really, really. You have that third person who's really being proactive. They're really putting together and building their resume. They're thinking about what I want to do with the rest of my life. Do I want to go to college? Do I not want to go to college? Um, is college for me? Um, are there alternatives to what I want to do? Um, so that third one, if your brother is in that third piece, I think that's a, a brilliant place to be. Um, and I would encourage him to just have a conversation with him. Say, you know, what, what is it that you're thinking? Like Josh was saying, what, what do you think about 10 years from now, et cetera? Um, you know, this is what you want to do. Okay. Do you need to take the college route? Okay. Maybe this is, oh, you want to do tech? Maybe you might not need to go to college for that. Maybe you might have to do this and then you can actually get your certifications, et cetera. Um, just really doing your research and digging deep. Don't let that year go to waste. Absolutely. And that actually gives me an idea. So Playboy Jay, if your brother's up to it, me and Mix would also love to speak to him as well. If he if he would be open to that, just because Mix is going to give you a very realistic view of the college process which is exactly what you need. So this is exactly what's going to happen, especially when they see your specific application. I think that would be very valuable. And also, I feel like I'll I'll be able to, to essentially paint that vision creatively. Like, what are you thinking long-term? So one of the things that I'm looking at, so if he's into sports at all, so I would say whatever sports he's into, 
look at the best athlete and look at his long-term progress. So even in basketball, thinking about people like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, RIP Mamba, but having that mentality to be completely dedicated, heart, mind, body, and soul to your craft and your passion. So if you're, if he's able to do that and find, discover that in that year, completely worth it, in my opinion. Absolutely. And my brother is currently working at Foot Locker. Okay. He's incredibly ambitious. That's what I'm talking about. And he does not want to spend his whole life working for minimum wage. Now we talk it. He plans on focus on saving this year. Brilliant. And education later. I'm not ashamed to admit that I never went to college, which is totally fine. Currently, I'm an aviation plane mechanic. That's even cooler than college, if I'm being completely honest. Making an honest living. Absolutely. No debt, no stress. Yes, exactly. I wish the same for my brother. You are a wonderful brother, sir. Listen, listen, that's beautiful. First and foremost, life is a game. Life Absolutely. is a game. Um, it's a chessboard in a lot of different ways. And when we think about um, what I used to talk to all my folks who were going to college, et cetera, because we've been marketed college, you know, um, name brand names, et cetera, blah, blah. You got to go to Ivy or a bus or the sister schools like Stanford, et cetera. All these things are fed to us, right? Um, and we get to the point where it's like, no, we have to do that. In order for me to be successful, I have to do that. The other piece is um, because of the social currency or, or whatever the capital is that you need to move forward in certain spaces, it's just like an inevitable or unnecessary evil sometimes that you have to go through college. However, I am willing to bet that you, sir, Playboy J, um, have much more knowledge, have much more wisdom, and are probably much, much smarter than many of my classmates from my Ivy League institution, right? Mm. So, and on top of that, you debt-free. <laughs> exactly. You are winning. So for me, that's why I always talk to students. I would tell them about what I, what I did when I did college counseling. You talk about your, your reach school, those that might be out of your parameters for whatever different reasons. You have your target school, those that really match where you are. Uh, you have your likely school. Other people call them safety school, but that's pejorative. But likely school, right, where you're probably going to get in if you apply. Um, and I always would tell folks, while fit is important in terms of cultural fit, et cetera, you should try to find a financial fit. Mm -hmm. So what's your financial fit institution? One that you're not going to get into debt. Because again, the world is uncertain. And the, the major that you're majoring in might be great while you're in college. And then when you leave, the mark is different. Right. So it's always about that financial fit to the point where it's like you're not taking out too much debt and you're not taking out debt, if possible, at all. Um, so where you are, my brother, you are winning and everything that you're imparting on your brother. Solid, solid. Absolutely. Because how many nations can actually say that they're debt free? You're winning better than countries. That's yeah. what I'm talking about, Playboy. I, I know ours can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We might have to start calling you Pharaoh J soon. That, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> word, word. No, that's real. That's real. It's, it's it's really important. It's really important to not just follow the crowd for for just following sake. Mm. I mean, there's always a number of different avenues to explore. You just have to really do your research, do your due diligence, and make sure you're taking the next step that's appropriate for you. And and trying to be bold. And you know, other folks might be going the opposite direction. That's them. Make sure it's right for you. Absolutely. And you brought up a wonderful term, which is the cookie cutter. And the path most traveled is literally the cookie cutter method. And as Playboy J, as his big bro, you, you didn't follow the cookie cutter method. And you are doing incredibly well. 
So he'll, I think that's wonderful because he's going to be able to see both, both perspectives, different paths. And that's going to be incredibly important because usually, as Mick said, is market to, marketed to us as this being the only path. Mm -hmm. And you're literally proof that it isn't, which is wonderful. That's a wonderful situation to be in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great question. Absolutely. Great question. And I actually have a question of my own out of curiosity, especially after watching the Brown Juice Barbershop today of the first episode i didn't i didn't get the second one because i didn't think there would be a double episode so y'all <laughs> so if you don't mind me asking sir what are you sipping on today hey now um this is um boondocks it is uh it's no relation to the boondocks <laughs> but this is boondocks it's american whiskey that my brother-in-law and sister-in-law blessed me with so shout out to y'all sipping on that scissor right now you know okay. Yes, sir. What are you, are you drinking tea today? Or are you are infused tea? What do you what do you sipping on, brother? I'm actually uh, sipping on Uncle Nearest once again. So I got to hey shout him out. So I actually ordered the because I I found your wisdom and I went to the I make sure I ordered the the let's say the lesser bottle. Not to say there's any lesser, mm -hmm. but it, it's uh, more more basic than this one. So this one I've ordered another one to mm -hmm. serve on and. If everyone here can keep a secret, I actually got it for my dad for his birthday at the end. Uh oh, of the uh oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. You got to share and toast it together. I need to know. I need to know what his uh what his thoughts are. Absolutely. So I'm I'm just gonna present it to you, present it to him the same way that you did to me, and that it was Uncle Nearest for anyone who doesn't know, who's African American, right? Who literally taught Jack Daniels everything that he knew. And when you taste it, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the, dare I say, the bougie version of Jack Daniels. This is this is elegant. This is uh -huh. incredible. Absolutely. And the best thing about it is black owned and um, mm. the CEO, she's an African-American woman by the name of Fawn Weaver. Uh, wow. So shout out, shout out, shout out. Doing it big, doing big things. Pull it, pull it. <laughs> by Do the way yeah shout out to the olivers we'll actually have mrs oliver on the show next week to talk about mental health that's going to be an incredible episode i'm so excited i can't wait to learn i see this is what i love about being around people like you i always get to learn mm -hmm. it, it, it's fantastic and okay. also shout out to the olivers again because mm. they celebrated their wedding anniversary anniversary recently and they had an incredible wedding i was Blessed enough to be invited. So thank you once again. Yeah. And then uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but um, the, the the one who I'm married to, <laughs> who is uh, Mrs. Oliver's sister, Amanda, mm -hmm. uh, somehow her and your good friend and Dean's good friend staged a coup to get us to go out later on that day. Remember that? Remember that? The after party? You were there, remember? Oh, yes. I'm a... Uh... I'm thinking about Hennessy and Rosé, which is an oh. incredible combination. I, I never thought about it until that night. So thank you, Pierre, for that. Oh, and my I, goodness. Yeah. That Mark, was listen, like, talk about things that you think won't mix well, but is actually heaven. Woo. <laughs> it's literally, it's mixing the light and the dark in a very balanced way. I was like, I thought this would be a lot stronger and it is, don't get me wrong, it is incredibly strong. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't taste as strong, which is dangerous. Mm -hmm. So please, please be aware of that. 
I mean, it was delicious. I'm still upset we went out that night because, you know, introvert <laughs> city. I was I had a hotel less than a mile away. I was ready to go to bed, took the next day off. But we over here taking taking drives and then hopping out, parking the car and then taking a cab somewhere. I'm like, come on now. But it was a good time. Good time. Good time. That was an epic night. And we also have another question from Clove, who is also an educator. Uh-oh. Risk versus reward is important when thinking of debt. Is there a rule of thumb for how much you should or should not pay for a degree? Wonderful question, Chloe. Phenomenal question. I would say it depends on the degree. <clears throat> for example, and no shade to anybody who's majoring this right now, because we all know that what you major in doesn't necessarily mean what you're going to do. So, for and example, I, and I'm sorry, Brother Mix, I have to mm-hmm. say this. It's mm-hmm. also Playboy J. I wish that was told to us at the beginning of higher education. Because again, we we connected with being we can only do this if that happens, and that's not the case at all. That's not the reality in the real world, right? But I, I digress. Please, sir, continue. Well, absolutely, absolutely, and that's the whole thing. We don't have conversations or, or honest conversations or open conversations about whether or not college is the right next step. Usually, particularly people who come from spaces that college has been the thing to do or particularly from people who might be first generation to go to college, and we see that as the only way out of poverty, right? Um, It's just a given. So when we talk about degrees, you might have an advisor, um, and it's an academic advisor who you're talking to, and you're trying to tell them about your passion, et cetera. They don't really understand who you are, or they might be racist, or they might have issues where it's like, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. That's not going to work for you, et cetera. So what I would say is there's a number of different things. When you think about return on investment, I often talk about a different ROI. So people talk about ROI as in t- return on investment. I flip that and I say, what's the return on the institution? So sometimes it's the institution that you're going to, that name might hold weight, therefore it might hold clout and have clout. So a degree from one institution, let's just say you major in economics, might be different from a degree with another with another name from another institution, right? Even if it's still economics. <clears throat> However, it's important to understand what the current market is and understand that what you major in and the degree that you get, it should be something that's marketable in an unpredictable economy and in an unpredictable workforce. So unless you plan on going to grad school to get your PhD later on afterwards, Maybe majoring in philosophy is probably not the best idea, <laughs> unless unless you're planning on going somewhere with it. So when we think about, are you going to spend and drop like Duke University? I think Duke University might be like $70,000 now for tuition, if not more, if not more, right? So are you going to drop $70,000 at Duke, a phenomenal institution, to be a philosophy major and then just graduate and not go to grad school? I mean, is that worth it? So when you think about this risk versus reward, it's important for you to get something that you're marketable in. For me, I'm, I'm, I majored in policy analysis and management with a concentration in consumer policy because I realized I can flip that and finesse that in any different way I wanted to go. So it wasn't going to hold me to one thing and it wasn't going to limit me from something else. I'm in education now. I easily can be in other spaces too. So I call myself an entrepreneur. So education, entrepreneurship, et cetera. I do consulting. I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. But I'm able to like flex in a number of different spaces. My master's degree is in higher education, administration, and leadership with a concentration in educational policy. So therefore, I've been branding myself as a policy person. So I had consumer policy in undergrad, educational policy, 
in, in my master's degree in graduate school. So whenever I talk, I'm talking at things from the lens of a policy analyst. Mm. So you can say that I have expertise in policy. So it's really about how you brand yourself. And that's important when you're thinking about what degree you're going to have. So if it's going to be philosophy or if it's going to be economics, think about which one is going to be a little bit more valuable in the current market, but also thinking about if that market changes, is it possible for me to use that to my advantage in any way? Is it going to differentiate me from everyone else who's around me? Am I going to grad school afterwards? Because if so, then it might not really matter. You might want to do that, that major that's a little easier for you so you can do other things as well, such as extracurricular activities, study abroad, et cetera. So it's really about balancing so many different things. That's why it's important to have a team around you of people who know, who've been there before, because there's a lot of academic advisors and career advisors who will give you nonsense, or they really don't care about you, or they see you as just another person who's like, oh, we just have to make sure they get through college. Um, so those are the things I would say. That's a, that's a great question. Wonderful question. And I'll just add on to that point because absolutely it depends which degree and what profession you do want to go into. And I guess I wish I was told this at that time when thinking about pursuing high, higher education is imagine your career is something that's going to be invited on Noah's Ark. I can only look at that <laughs> scenario because my dad always talks about it like, hey, what you do, it better be invited on the Ark. Or it's not it's not indispensable. It cannot do without any it has to be there. Right. And you and you can't be left behind. So that's that's how important it is from my perspective. I love so, that. I love that. Yeah. So if it's something that's okay, so even if you're, for example, and again, I'm sure this can apply to many different different career paths and professions, but think about the versatility of a doctor. So not only can you be, you know, a doctor in hospitals, depending on what type of medicine that you practice, that could add a, a lot more uh, versatility depending on what you want to do. So also imagine you can also be the attorney general. I mean, she's not the attorney general, the uh, general physician, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Surgeon general. Surgeon general. Thank you. Sorry. Surgeon general by a president, you could be something like that. Or if you're thinking about being an attorney, again, just going by the professions, right? You could also be a, a lawyer on retainer just in your own private practice. In addition to being a corporate attorney for a massive brand like Johnson & Johnson or whoever, whichever you wanted to do, if not also create a law firm with only black attorneys that help Black people. Again, there's so many different things that you can do. And what I appreciate the most, because my father is an attorney, and this being in close proximity to his brilliance, it let me realize from the education I was fortunate enough to have, it reminded me how the founding fathers never had employers. So the only way you can actually be free, and I can only speak as an American and an African American, the only way you can be free in America. And I take this also from inspirations like Jesus. You have to be an entrepreneur. Jesus was an entrepreneur. He was a merchant. They called him merchants back in the day, which for lack of better words, you were able to create with your own hands and get paid for that. And there's a lot of things that can be done with that concept professionally with degrees and or without degrees. So you're going to have to be incredibly transparent with yourself 
and realize that whatever you're doing isn't you're not trying to appease someone else this is your life if someone else had their life to live they made their choices this is choices about you because if you make a choice for someone else 10 years down the line you might resent that someone else because they you made they made you feel like they had to you know follow their path or maybe not maybe you thought that's what they wanted and maybe that's not what they didn't want so everyone's going to have to be very transparent it's not about what our what we want because essentially your your support team are going to be your board of directors but you have to be ceo you're the founder and ceo of your own career so you have to perceive the future like that and and mm -hmm. i'll and i'll leave it like that for sure and to be more specific even more specific to Claudez's question too just think about a number per se mm. i would say depending on what you plan to do as a career think about what that is look it up see what the salary is and don't go for the where the highest salary is look at the one that's lower than the median what's below the median <clears throat> so you can take a look and see what that salary would be if that salary like the starting salary is not more than how much you would actually be taking out that's probably not a good idea if it's nearby to what you're taking out still probably not a good idea so it should be, I would say it should be at least double what you plan on taking out. I mean, if 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 you plan on taking out a $50,000 loan and your starting salary for the career you want is $50,000, that's a no-no. That's if it's like 100,000, cool. Because you know when you start making 100,000, you could pay off, you could pay off some things and still live and have a livable wage. Um, so those are some things to think about. Absolutely. And got to shout out Yves Rose, Sak Passe. Sak Pakata. Oh, that's all. Yes. Happy anniversary. Oh, Mrs. Oliver is in the building. Will be a guest next week at the same very time. And she has an amazing question. Are we canceling Goya? Can you both speak to cancel culture? Oh, yes and the lack of unification in communities of color? Wonderful question. You want to take this first or me? Which one do? Oh, yeah, I'll definitely take this one first. So again, I would have to agree with Brother Mix. I'm not particularly a fan of cancel culture because usually it's an emotional decision to a logical prompt. So uh, for me as an Aquarian, speaking as an Aquarian, I feel like you should be incredibly logical to logical prompts. So, for example, if the CEO happens to literally be a brown noser to the to the president, right? And I would say your community, your your market niche is people who don't necessarily support this president. That's to me, you're not really thinking of the fiduciary duty you have as CEO of Goya personally, unless they know something that we don't. Perhaps their business model is based upon wholesale to the supermarkets who actually might be Trump supporters. So in that case, re regardless customers, you know exactly where ownership stands, right? Exactly where the CEO stands. So I feel like it's completely up to you, but it shouldn't be based upon selective morality. So if, if, this, if you would disagree with this person's perspective and their stance on politics, are there other brands that you're consuming and their CEOs and their corporate leadership are doing the same thing? Are you still consuming those things? So you, you can't have 
selective morality with it. You have to be completely committed to what you're talking about. You raised so many great points. And I think it's, it's a very complex conversation because it's not just black or white. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of gray in between. Um, again, I don't subscribe to cancel culture um, because I think that we have to look at everything in totality. Mm. Um, and I think cancel culture has um, so many negative externalities from it where we start to throw away some of our leaders. And when you throw away some of our leaders, you you throw away not only the negative, bad like immoral things they've done, but also the great that they've done. Realizing that you can do both things. You can be a person who doesn't do well or does harm as well as doing good and doing well for a community, et cetera. So a number of different examples. We don't have to get into that, but it, that's why I don't subscribe to cancel culture. Also as a Christian, I believe in redemption. And I believe that we should have time and space to correct our wrongs, right our wrongs. And like we had the conversation about forgiveness, you can be forgiven if you actually move towards reconciliation, try to redeem yourself, et cetera. You have to repent. All that out, out the way. I would say that it's almost like the NFL. When people were saying, we're going to cancel the NFL, we're going to cancel the NFL. All right, let's just say we stop watching games. Okay, we stop watching games. There are still people who are buying tickets to go to these games. There are still people who are buying Nike, who are buying Adidas, who are buying all these other things that actually are corporate sponsors for the NFL. So how do we really cancel the NFL? So we talk about canceling Goya. We might cancel Goya by in the sense of, you know what? We're not going to buy it for our own household anymore, right? However, the same restaurant we go to eat and support, we don't know what they season in their food with. We might be supporting Goya. So it's, it's easy to say that we're going to do X, Y, and Z. I think it's important for us to, if we really are about making an impact, like you said, we have to figure out what their business model is. We have to figure out where things are going. We have to figure out how we can, as we had the conversation before, if we're going to divest from Goya, where are we going to invest? So mm. if we're used to spending money on products such as Goya, where are we going to take that money then and invest it? Are we going to invest it in Sylvia's? Because that's a Black-owned company, right? Um, are we going to invest in something else? Like, So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So when I think about that, for me, you know, my money might not go to Goya, but if I'm not buying Goya... What am I buying? And I better, I better, if I'm going to get an alternative, know the politics behind that too. So if I'm going to switch over to some other brand, I need to do my research on that brand because sometimes, as we've seen with all these big corporations, they might be on the shelf next to each other. One might be at a higher price point. One might be at a lower price point, but it's the same company. So we right. have to think about these things and really look at them. Who owns what, et cetera. So when we're canceling, we, it can't just be like, oh, no more Goya. If we're about that work, we're about that life, we have to go do our due diligence and see exactly what the money is, follow the money, and see how we can really make an impact by withholding our dollars from a corporation that stands by that. Absolutely. And I would have to tag on to that. And please keep that same energy when it comes to some of the, your favorite shows or movies that might be under the umbrella of that company that owns everything else. So are you going to also boycott the shows? type of thing. So I'm, I'm thinking about it from that perspective. In addition to you raised a wonderful point about the NFL. So even during this time of the pandemic, because the NFL kind of got off free here, because if it happened during the fall, we all know the NFL contracts are not guaranteed. That's number one. Number two, even the NBA, which has probably one of the most powerful player associations and professional sports, 
even they had to take reduced wages and salary. And that's with the ultimate guarantee contracts. So if we were to do cancel culture and cancel the NFL, how many people like us would we be preventing from getting their money? And after they had all that blood, sweat and tears to get to that point, I mean, we talked to Brother Kendall about that. That takes a very specific mindset and a, a very specific pain tolerance because it's intense manual labor. So they would, I, I'm, I'd be willing to bet they would not be getting paid. And you, raise, and you raise a great point. And, here's, and, and this is why politics is so messy. It's so messy for a number of different reasons. Because like I said before, you know, it's easy to say, let's boycott the NFL. But then you realize, like you said, the folks who actually are employed by the NFL. And I'm not just talking about the players. I'm also talking about, you know, um, those folks who might work in food service, janitorial services, et cetera, all the contracts that are there. And I'm not saying this is the case with the Goya CEO. I don't know anything about this guy. Right. However, I also don't know how many people are employed by Goya. Mm. I also don't know the demographics of people who are employed by Goya. I don't know their class. I don't know their race. I don't know. Any, I don't know. So if if we do that, where does that leave those folks who are working in factories doing exercise? I, I don't know. So, again, it's 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 multifaceted and it's complex. And we have to have conversations and think about how can we find a way to be politically mature enough to say, you know what? That's cool. That's cool. But we're not going to, I'm not saying this is what we should do. I'm just saying that if situations happen, okay, let's just say, take the NFL, for example, we're not going to cancel the NFL. What we're going to do is use our leverage, our collective buying power, our collective resources and our collective political gain to, or, or political like power to make sure that we change the direction of the NFL to make sure that we get what we want from this situation as opposed to like nixing it for so many people. So I think there's a lot of different conversations. We have to really think about what's the smart way forward, but that, that comes with a lot of information. We have to do our due diligence. Um, so we have to look at everything. And, and again, I, I can't support a person who gets by gets behind 45. I can't really, I can't get down with that. I can't get down with that um, for a number of different reasons, but um. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just so many pieces to it. But as for me and my house, we're not buying Goya, you know? I mean, real talk, I got some Goya left in my cabinet. I'm not throwing it out. <laughs> I'm going to use it. And when that's empty, I'm not going to the store to buy anymore. Like, that's foolish to me. I'm going to throw it out after I already paid for it. That's foolish. Right. Now I got to spend more money because I'm trying to prove a point. Absolutely. And we have some wonderful chefs here in the comments. I know... Eve Rose and Ashley and Amanda, absolutely. Probably Claude Diz as well, right? Perhaps even Brother Jeff, you never know, or Playboy J. So any any of you guys who know other alternatives for beans, I'd be curious to hear those names because Goya is synonymous with the bean. They, they have that on lock. So perhaps there'd be some market uh, diversification in and, that industry, and which would be great. And for sure, and before before I forget, because I want to I want to get to the other part of Ashley's question and the lack of unification in communities of color, mm. I would say, in this moment, space, and time, as a black man, I'm waiting to see what my Latinx brothers, sisters, etc., um, do. Mm. I'm I'm following your lead. I'm not sounding the alarm, but what y'all gonna do? You're pulling up or not? Like, I, I, what y'all doing? You're, you're calling folks out? I'm I'm seeing what y'all... I'm going to stand in the background and let y'all... I'm going to do what I'm going to do. 
which is not going to buy Goya. But what are y'all doing? I would love to know what y'all saying, y'all speaking. Because honestly, when it comes to talk about the unification in communities of color, I think there's a lot of issues there because, and it, and it goes back to how things were multiculturalism. It started as multiculturalism to the point where it's like everyone was getting the opportunity to distance themselves from black people. You're Hispanic. Oh, now you're white Hispanic. Now you're this, you're that, you're this. So there was given opportunities to move. And if you look at the history of the world, if you look at the history of the census, if you look at the history of how race and racial categories have been created, it's always during certain different political moments where folks are trying to gain voters this way, gain this, that way, blah, blah. So how do you identify as important for the demographics of what you serve, et cetera? There's a lot of pieces there. But there's always been times when they've been encouraging those who are in the Caribbean, particularly those who are like that have been colonized by the Spanish, to get further and further and further and further and further and further and further away from the African diaspora. So in terms of unification of communities of color, uh, I, I want what my Dominicans gonna do? You're pulling up, what y'all doing? What y'all doing? What, what my Puerto Ricans doing? What y'all doing? Let us know, give us give us the blueprint. What are we doing? So I wanna, I wanna, I wanna learn from, from them, my Latinx crew. Yeah, I think that's a, a great approach because I mean, being someone who spent a lot of time in Miami, there are a lot of Spanish people who support the Republican perspective. So I know they're not going to be canceling Goya, and perhaps in the uh, on the on the stat sheet, right? Perhaps Goya did the math, and perhaps maybe the the wealthy Spanish people can, you know, essentially take care of the let's say unwealthy Spanish people who may not be supporting the the right. So perhaps they did that math and they made their choice. And perhaps Eve Rose has a different choice for us. Madam Goo Goo. Goo Goo. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> Mademoiselle. <laughs> Make your own spices. Buy fresh onions, parsley, garlic, green, red peppers, hot peppers, thyme, ginger, vinegar, lemon, lime, juice, whatever spices you like. Sounds like a Haitian-themed cookbook coming to an online uh, recipe book near you. You never know. It also sounds like someone should probably be making their own spices, etc., yeah. that they can sell and market and bottle. By the way, um, shout out to you, Rose. That's usually what keeps my beard nice and shiny and my head too. It's the <laughs> coconut oil that she blesses the brother with. Oh, oh, you get the Caribbean kind. You know, I mean, I don't know what she put in it, but I know it's coconut. Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I usually got mine from Shido Five, who unfortunately passed away. So rest in peace, Shido Five. But he's the one who put me on coconut oil for skin. Because I really? thought the most you could do was like alt pulling, you know, things like that. But yeah, applying it to the skin, th same thing as black seed oil, things like that. So yeah, there's a lot of diverse ways to use these ingredients. So it sounds like somebody knows a lot about these products and they need to create their own. That's what it sounds like to me. Right. Or perhaps, oh, and or not only that, perhaps create a guide for people who may not know how to get beans besides Goya. You would literally create the blueprint for that. So, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how much those coconut oils cost? What's the price? We need to know. Let people know. Let people know how much a bottle costs. <laughs> yeah, coconut oil is amazing. It's it's certainly divine. Mm -hmm. 
Listen, change your life, brother. Change mine. Mm, absolutely. That was dope, man. A lot of great questions. A lot of great questions. Absolutely. This was fun. Yeah. And I, wow, it's, uh, wow, already an hour and a half already. Yeah, t- time flies when you're having fun. Indeed, it does. So I guess we can we can wrap it up here, guys, unless you guys have another fantastic question. Any, any final question? You got a final question? Final question. Whether it's for both of us, each of us individually, for the culture, Absolutely. final question. Speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> last call. <laughs> <laughs> Word, last call. I need a refill. true and did you have anything that you want to speak about sir um have we told the folks about how this whole thing got started i don't think we have i'm not sure i don't think we've told them about the creative gore and how it got started I mean, you, you kind of hinted at it, but we didn't give him the uh, the full Monty, let's say. Yeah, maestro, if you will. <laughs> of course. So one of the things I observed as an Aquarian, because naturally I'm incredibly not only in, an intellectual, but also very, hmm, for lack of better words, not... Uh, hmm. I'm trying to be very polite, mix because again, I know I have to sometimes I have to dumb down my delivery, not dumb down, but at least not make it as uh, not as blunt, right? I hear you. So very, I, I'm an introvert for lack of better words. We'll we'll say it like that. I'm an introvert, so anything that isn't intellectually stimulating, I it, you can miss me with that. Like literally miss miss my entire attention span because <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not paying attention. Most likely. And I found that being around people like Brother Mix, who also happens to be an Aquarian, probably one of the coolest Januarians I ever know, right? When you're around people who are interested in the same things that you're interested in in a very passionate way, more of yourself comes out. Mm. So I've always identified with being an introvert and intellectual, but never having an outlet to communicate with. So being around Brother Mix and Amanda and Ashley and Dean and Eve Rose, right? Just being around people like that allowed me to see more of myself in an intellectual way and having a space to articulate myself in a manner that wasn't being fulfilled before. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, now that I'm more talkative about specific things, right? Why not create it? I mean... If you're being honest, everyone in the comments is being honest. You're probably having amazing conversations like this that simply aren't being recorded. Mm. So the light bulb in my head was like, wait a minute, we should probably start recording these conversations. So that's the one of the things that got me, I guess, out of my comfort zone to go on record and and say these things that are are long term, have you know, things like that. And I also have to give credit to the co-creator of the song, All Black, you know, Black Lives Matter, right? Mm-hmm. Nasheed Linton, because watching Sheed get on stage, Sheed is a performer, he's a rapper, an incredible performer, reminds me of Meek, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to do that, that that really inspired me. Like, you know what? I should probably get, you know, give it a go. So obviously I went to the the person I know best, right? 
went to Brother Mikhail, went to his lovely home in Philadelphia. So we did the Creative Maestro episode and, you know, it was fantastic, obviously, but it, you know, it, it definitely sparked an idea in Mikhail. And Mikhail, would you like to fill in that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. First and foremost, the, the only reason, and, I, and, I, and I'm not even saying this because, you know, it's, it's not hyperbole. It's not be like, oh my gosh, let me just say this because we on camera. I really mean this. The only reason why I'm on camera doing these things, the only reason why I am on Creative Gourd and the only reason why I have Brown Juice Barbershop and the only reason why I'm like doing a little bit more of a social media presence is because of you, sir. It's because of you. And uh, the only reason why y'all can hear me clearly <laughs> is because of you, sir. So I say shout out to you because Josh is an example of um, not only putting his money where his mouth is, but also in terms like literally. Like he he bought me that mic. Like I'm I'm shouting you out. Um, like but actually like pushing and encouraging folks and giving them the game, so to speak. Because me, he knows I'm introverted. Um, I'm like I'm good. Like I like have a conversation with people, but not really high maintenance. I don't really want to broadcast stuff. I'm not looking for like any type of clout, etc. But it's like, yo, you have a voice. You should share it. Here are tools. Here are resources for you to actually amplify your for amplify your voice and get your message out further to other people. Not because it's some vanity type of experience, but because you're trying to connect with people and help people and be that person that you wish you had when you were coming up. So I appreciate all that. And the reason why this happened is that you know we were together and I I have a blog called the Thinking Gourd. Um, you can follow it on the thinkinggourd.org. Um, and as you can see, you said creative maestro, the Thinking Gourd. So if you can hear that, we took creative, we took gourd, we put it together for the creative gourd for it to be our podcast. And I think, you know, um, everything happens for a reason. And a lot of creativity has come from this moment where we were required to sit still, be quiet and stay at home. Right. And it's like, wait, Josh and I used to always try to figure out when we're going to record because we used to record in person together on the same cameras, like just together in the same space, et cetera. But now this forced us to actually think about things differently to the point where Josh started investing in other different you know, opportunities, such as this platform that we're on, et cetera. And it's like, wait, hold up. We can actually do a live show weekly. We weren't thinking that way before because that's the mode and the model that we had. But now when you get put in certain situations, again, you know, they say pressure busts pipes. However, pressure also creates diamonds. And this is a diamond in the rough, brother. Um, so when we think about these opportunities that come our way, particularly in some of our darkest times and darkest hours, um, it's important for us to see that as an opportunity, as a blessing and, and move forward with it. So the creative gourd is just because of two, two dudes who went to school together, met at the age of 14, <laughs> met at the age of 14. And now we just, we kicking it, man. We kicking it. And, you know, it's, it's been beautiful. It's been a beautiful journey and I appreciate it. Absolutely. And I, I definitely appreciate you for joining me on this venture because literally this wouldn't happen without you either. So I honestly appreciate you. I appreciate your guidance as well. And just to have my imagination thinking on other things than they normally would. I really appreciate that because, you know, I like having versatile, you know, perspectives. So that that's something that really I thrive off of. So I appreciate you for that as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. And I appreciate all the viewers um, and, you know, give us a thumbs up if you would like to have a viewer's choice, maybe once a month or something like that, or, or sometime, let, let us know, give us a thumbs up in the comments or a yes, or 100, 
if this is something that y'all like to see again, because we really do this stuff for y'all. Absolutely. And I guess on the YouTube platform, the vernacular is live Q&A. So we'll, we'll call it live Q&A, which was phenomenal. So that was amazing, guys. So, yeah, we definitely. Oh, there we go. Thumbs up. So that's it. that settles it. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I've actually so thank you, Eve Rose, as well. Mercy. I've also gotten a lot of. Uh, compliments for our very first episode, which, by the way, if you guys are interested in, which was the review of Black Panther, which is a, a phenomenal oh, movie. Yeah. And we uh, we might have to do another movie review, just yes. like a, a special, special episode for that. And if anyone has any movie suggestions that you would be curious about us reviewing, hopefully around, uh, let's say, our culture. So mm -hmm. perhaps something like 12 Years a Slave, Anything's like any, you know, anything like that, especially if it's something that neither of us have seen, mm -hmm. e you know, even better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many things out there. There's some stuff I need to catch up on. I haven't, I still haven't watched if Bill Street can talk. Mm. Um, you know, there's some other ones out there. We we just finished watching Just Mercy. Um, um so th th there's things out there, definitely, definitely on it. Absolutely. I, I definitely need to see all of those. And thank you, Brother Dean. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, thank y'all. Absolutely. It's dope, man. This is dope. Right. So next time, 6 p.m., we will have Mrs. Oliver to talk to us about how important mental health is, especially not only for young minds that are developing, but developed minds, so adults because I love her hashtag. So that has to go viral. Hashtag unpack that. I love that. that yeah, spread the word, y'all. Spread the word. Absolutely. So Ashley, can't wait to can't wait to connect once again. And guys, thank you. And have a wonderful evening. You repeat what they created and get power to hate. But worst of all, we disappoint all the great. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Yeah, hey. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Yeah.